Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I'm Charlie. And I'm Eva. We hope everybody had a great weekend. There was a lot of hoopla here in uh, where we are from. We are broadcasting live from a secure bunker in Cincinnati. And we had the world, not, no, it wasn't the world's, it was the country's biggest beer fest. The country's biggest beer fest. Oktoberfest, except it was in September. Oktoberfest on a Sunday in, you know, in a, in a well, it was our weekend. Right, but on a Sunday morning, I mean, just, I guess at church they didn't have to pass the wine around. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, the mission of Corporate Talk is to leave no stone unturned, right? Use all our collaborative skills to make a difference, even as one person. And if you don't think one person can make a difference, think of my guy, Paul Revere. Right? Well, I just, you know, I just say think of the person that comes in and, you know, has got a bad mood on all the time, and that makes a difference. So don't you think that you could right. affect change the other way? The difference works both ways. So we want to say we make a positive difference. Yes. We want to make good things happen. Yes. We have a really, really great show today, which we're going to get into in a second. Well, and let's remind everyone that they can also download the free TalkZone app for Android and iPhone, and you can download that for free. And then you can watch our shows and all the other shows 24-7. I mean, what's better than that? I don't think that there's anything better than that. You're too, um, you're too patient. You're like the NPR lady today. Why am I? Why? I mean, you're just like, and you know. Mm. Okay. Yes. Um, in front of us, we have some great shows too. Yes, we do. You know, um, it's really interesting, right? We have lots of different guests on the show because mm-hmm. it's all connected. We have. Um, in a couple of weeks, a show about finding God. And I just wanted to mention that because I hear it politically every night on the news. So I want to understand a little more about what everyone seems to think that is. So I think that'll be good. Um, in the past, behind us, we had some even really great shows that are always available. Always available, how to talk to your teens, how to communicate, how to have tough conversations, leadership, Marriage, relationship issues, I mean, it is all there. Work, life, kids, you name it, we talk about it because work and personal life is no longer two separate things. It's all connected now. We're working from home. We're working 24-7. We're connected to the office. We're connected to home. So that's why we believe that we should also look at personal and professional development. Now, okay, so um, what Eva just said, uh, I just want to repeat, and maybe – if time permits, we can discuss this with our guests in mm-hmm. later. Um, so we have had people on the show in the past, experts that talked about balance, uh, work and outside of work, and how you have to have the right balance. And you know, of course, everyone would agree, right? It's like you know, 
uh, well, whatever. When it rains, you wear you bring a rain an umbrella. Okay. Common sense. You want to have the right balance. <laughs> yes. That's not. Really However, it's really hard to balance. So sometimes, and we had someone that talked about that too. I mean, sometimes you give more to work, and sometimes you give more to personal life. Right, but seven by twenty-four. We're always on our phones. We're always getting beat, tweeted, working. We work days, nights. We take it home with us. That's the balance. We have to learn how to balance the unbalance now, right? Yes. We're always connected. So we get it, right? Um, all right. Charges me up a little bit. Um, today's guest, uh, we met um, a while back, and, you know, I have a really unique take okay, with what he's doing and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I really admire um, what he's doing, so we want to certainly beat that up a little bit. Um, so our guest today is an author, speaker, consultant, but he's, he's dealing with the tough guys, the big shots, you know, um, sort of like a major league, a major league speaker um, and consultant. So um, I want to bring out uh, Scott Deming. Scott, are you with us? I am. How are you, Charlie and Eva? Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. Welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Um, you know, when we met, I kept thinking about you afterwards. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why as we as we get into the show, but this is a very important show, okay? The the message that you have and what you do, I you know, it's the linchpin to everything. It is right? Yeah. Um and I and I I can't say enough about how it is, you know, um I'm looking at some of the things about you, and one of the things you say, when individuals and organizations abandon their values, bad things happen. Right. And, man, that's so true, right? And, um, but anyway, so before we start, um, tell us maybe your website so our listeners can follow along, and then we'll go from there. All right. It's uh, scottdeming.com. S-C-O-T-T. D-E-M-I-N-G dot com. Excellent. Scott Deming, D-E-M-I-N-G dot com. Yeah, and on the website you'll see all sorts of information about me, and there are video clips you know, of live uh, presentations at different corporate events. So, uh, uh, you know, you can, get it. You, can, you can get a lot of information just going to the website. Um, and tell us about uh, what's behind your latest book. Is that Powered by Purpose? Powered by purpose, uh, as you know, and I think I brought this up when we when we first uh, met. And by the way, that was very flattering that you said you thought about me a lot after we met. It's so funny that you said that because uh, I was with my wife when we met, and my wife and I have talked about you two many times since we met. It was just a really cool uh, get together, and I really enjoyed our conversation. So we're uh, we're both on the same page. Excellent. Uh, but but uh, the book was actually inspired uh, by a tragedy. And uh, first of all, I was, I was going to write a book anyway, and I'm writing it again, kind of putting plans together to write a second book, 
my first book came out eight years ago, and uh, and that was also a business book, The Brand Who Cried Wolf. But that book was about understanding the difference between marketing and advertising and real sustainable brand building. Uh, I I was a uh, I owned and operated a, a large national advertising agency for 20 years, and so I I, you know, I sold that in 2003. And now what I do is I kind of transcend the thought process, the conception, misconception of how to really truly build a really powerful brand. So I'm thinking about this second book, and honestly, what really kind of drove me to the uh, to the title, Powered by Purpose, and to the really the the, the meat and the theme of the book was I deal with a lot of major, major companies, a lot of little companies every week. I, I mean, I've spoken for every pharmaceutical company, every banking organization, uh, manufacturing, uh, Toyota to AT&T. And in my travels and doing this a lot, and I even have a couple of consulting clients, the one thing that I have noticed is that we have a really, especially as the businesses, the companies get bigger, there, there's a, a little bit, not a little bit, there's a lot. There's a leadership issue in, in okay. this country when it comes to corporate, a real leadership issue. And so I started thinking about this book and, and you know, how to, how to frame it and everything. And as I'm doing this, we had a horrible tragedy. We lost our granddaughter. Uh, she died in a tip-over accident. She was one month shy of three, and she pulled a TV on top of herself, and it crushed her and killed her. And so um, that kind of helped put, me, put the brakes on this book and change my focus a little bit to not just being a great leader when you're doing corporate work, but to be a re- a, just a great leader in life. And in fact, I was listening to, the, to you speaking about the fact that you cannot, uh, Eva, you said you really cannot uh, anymore separate your personal life from your professional life. They're just so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to tell you, I've been talking about that for many, many years, because what I say to folks is, you can't be two separate people. You can't be one person at home and one person at work. You can't care and love and be concerned and sincere at home for those around you. And then when you go to work, it's this whole new different persona where it's all about the bottom line. So those things, working with different leaders throughout the world, uh, really led me to this book. But once my granddaughter died, and my wife and I started a foundation, and, it, and it's really taken off, I decided this book is not going to be just for folks who are in the corporate world, but people who want to lead, really just lead a, a powerful life. I don't care if you're leading uh, a, a group of tourists through a museum or if you're leading um, a multinational organization. Whoever you're leading or whatever you're leading, if you do it with purpose and you don't abandon your values, it's going to be a very rewarding life. And so that's the kind of the meat behind the book. And when you said part of it says don't abandon your values, that's exactly what I talk about. I use a lot of case studies of, of folks who, you know, in the, in the face of, uh, of severe temptation or, uh, you know, severe challenge, they'll, they'll waver. They'll, they'll abandon their values and they'll do what they think is, you know, best for, the, for the, the general consensus or best for the bottom line when really in their heart they know they shouldn't have done that. And so I kind of help, try to help leaders in all different areas to really stick to those values and understand in the long run it's going to be a payoff. My father used to call people, he said this to me all the time, and in fact in the book I credit my father so much on, uh, on helping me to be the person I am. And he said, Scott, don't ever, ever abandon your values. He said, people who do that, you know, because they're tempted or because they're challenged or whatever it is, he said, they're weeds in the wind. 
And if you know folks like that, you don't want them as friends. You don't want to be around people like that. They're just not real. And so that's you know kind of how I framed the book. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, I want to talk fast because we're a few minutes shy of our first break. But the first thing, okay. right, Scott, that we want to say is that we're really sorry to hear about that tragedy. Um, and I don't want to get past it so quickly, but the courage um, that you're showing and trying to turning it in to help others, it puts, I, I want to say it's just admirable, but it puts all of the corporate leaders who haven't really faced true adversity mm -hmm. um, in your classroom <laughs> because they need to hear, you know, what it's really like. And, um, and I know you get, I know you get it about interacting work and everything together because you were in it. When we hear people say you have to separate it, we, we know because we were in corporate, right. we know they haven't really been in the game. Um, and, and so what you bring to the table is priceless. And the other thing is coming from advertising, which is such a fast pace, every day your income is on the line, Mm -hmm. And how do you sell advertising in a down economy? To that's the perfect path to come into this because I don't think you can be intimidated, you know. So well, I think you have the all the right stuff, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's not just and it's not just the fact that you have to you know you have to understand uh, you know adversity and and, and 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 working in a down economy. But I'll tell you what. You're always selling intangibles. You're you're just trying to sell your talent, your people, your your promise, and that that's you know I think what really helped to groom me to where I am today is that all I ever I all I peddled, all I was peddling when I was running the ad agency was our ability to turn their business around. Now they had to believe in me and trust me, and if we failed, you know they would move on. But you know so it had to really it had to work. But that was that really was a tough uh, a tough sell when when people didn't know who you were you know they're they're right. pumping a lot of money through your agency and they're going okay you're going to make things happen for us uh, but right. I, and I'll explain kind of where I went and how that kind of took me onto my track now too uh, when, when we uh, we get back from our break though okay excellent but before we go um, tell us where we can get the book. Well, you can get the book at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. It's in Barnes and Noble stores. Um, you know, a lot of independent stores, but uh, you can either do that or you can order it directly from me. But to, you know, easiest just to go to Amazon.com and uh, and order from there. Excellent. Um, so, okay, guys. So stay with us. We're, we're going to learn so much, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're going to take our first break. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Eva and our very special guest, author, consultant, speaker Scott Deming. We'll be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. 
There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we have a great guest today, Scott Deming. Scott is a trainer, a speaker, and he is the author of Powered by Purpose. And I love everything that you were saying, Scott, and I want to hear more about how Powered by Purpose evolved from your days at the ad agency. Uh, great question, and uh, this is kind of the evolution of, uh, of me now as a, uh, a speaker and consultant. You know, when we were running the agency, we had, and we had pretty significant clients. We had you know, companies like Benjamin Moore Paints and John Deere and the Scotts Company, and we, had, we were running their programs for their retail outlets all over the country and Carrier, the heating and cooling company. But we also had a lot of very uh, small local accounts. So one of the things that we did notice, though, is that especially with the big, big clients, uh, you know, again, they would be pumping a great deal of money through our agency, and we would be running these campaigns all over the country. And in some markets, you know, stores are doing really, really well, and, and literally 20 miles away from them, there are stores that are failing miserably. So, of course, we get the phone call, your advertising stinks, what's going on? And so we began to investigate. And here's what I discovered, and here's why I am exactly where I am today. We discovered that the majority of our clients we're depending on the advertising as the ultimate magic bullet. You, if we spend money on advertising, you drive people in, we won. Game over. But what they didn't know was that we were driving people in to a flawed service. They did not focus on culture. They did not focus on people, on service, on purpose, nothing. They were just trying to sell stuff. So that led me because we went and we started looking at these different stores that weren't doing well, and we, we, that's what we realized. So that led us to creating a division in our, in our agency that actually trained our own clients on how to create a culture and how to actually not just live up to the promise that you were having us produce for you and putting on the airwaves, but how to surpass it, how to exceed expectations. As I was doing that, as I was training people, and I was training leaders, uh, sales managers, uh, customer service reps, it didn't matter. We were training entire organizations, field reps, and it really made me realize that this is the missing piece. This, is the, this closes the loop. Okay, I just spent 30 years of my life in advertising, you know, 20 years owning my own place. Uh, I, I get it. Uh, now what I need to do is I need to take, put that behind me and take that knowledge and really help people to understand this is how you close the loop. Advertising, and then I say, I lead off every presentation, I say, awareness is not branding. Awareness is awareness. We're all aware of cert certain deadly diseases, aren't we? And everybody goes, yes. And then I say, does that mean you want to run out and get them? Just because people know about you, it doesn't mean they want you. And so that's kind of where I am today. I teach folks and organizations all over the globe how to create a culture and a service level that is actually authentic, that is above everybody else in their industry to create that emotional connection with their customers so that they feel like, you know what, I can't live without these people. And that's where it is. Well, you know, and I love that because it's a lot of what Charlie and I talk about too. It's those 
soft skills. And it's amazing to me, and it must have been even a little eye-opening for you too in the early days that here you are, you're driving all this traffic to these organizations, and yet they have no clue how to care they for their customers. They were driving them right out. Yeah, they were, they were getting there, it's and like the people were like, okay, thank you very much, and went to the next person, the next company. Oh, and my God. I, it's, it's incredible. I actually witnessed it firsthand with one of my clients many years ago. This is back in the, in the late 80s. And we did a grand opening for one of their new stores, and the owner calls me on a Saturday at my house, screaming at me, and I thought, oh, my God, nobody's there. The advertising didn't work. And I said, Larry, what happened? He said, I said, there's nobody there. He goes, no, the place is flooded. What's wrong with this, this stupid town? Nobody's buying anything. And I said, uh-huh. well, you know what? If the place is flooded, I'm pretty sure we did our job. I'll see you Monday morning. Now, do, do I have time to tell you this quick story? It's two minutes yeah. long. Yeah. I walk into the guy's store, and I pretended that I wanted to check out his pricing, his signage, and all that. I already saw that. And what I was doing, though, is I was just kind of hanging out and watching his people and him interact with customers. Now, this couple walks in, and this is in Ithaca, New York, where Cornell University is. Mm-hmm. I know it's A couple walks in, and I heard the whole conversation. We just bought our daughter a house up on the hill. We're refurbishing it, and she's going to be there for four years, and when she graduates, we're going to sell it. So we'd love to put a big, beautiful chandelier right in the, right, right in the foyer, and he said, and we want this one right here. And it was about a $12,000 chandelier. Larry goes, great, we'll write up the ticket, we'll figure out how to get it delivered, and we'll help you with installation. And the guy goes, hold on, he said, um, he said we're going to pay cash. Larry goes, even better. He says, so if we're going to pay cash, he said, what kind of a discount will you give me? This is what the owner said to this couple. He said, discount do I look like a friggin' Kmart to you? Okay. He said, if you want a discount, go down the street. There are plenty of discounts. And the man and his wife walked out. Okay, thanks. So I walked over to him and I said, Larry, I think I figured out what the problem is. And he goes, really, what is it? I said, it's you. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? You didn't just lose a customer. You just lost a ton of customers. Right. That man will make sure that his daughter spreads the word around this town. Don't ever come in here. Believe me, Larry, you just lost a lot of business. So those were kind of eye-opening for me. That, that's the stuff that I realized there's more to this than just cranking out good advertising. Well, and you know, and it's just so shocking, right? I mean, you must have just been standing there with your mouth hanging open going, how can this be happening? How can he be saying this to this person? But it just shows how important those skills are and how a lot of people aren't trained in those skills. I mean, and to me, that's just kind of common sense, like being nice and accommodating skills. But you realize that a lot of people just don't have it and but, don't really get it. And the same is true Eva, in the you, corporate you hit, world. You, yeah, and you hit a great point, Eva. You said that just so many people are not trained for that skill. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why, because so many business owners – and even leaders of big companies, if you, if you really do some, some uh, investigating, a lot of these folks came up through operations. They're not people. Uh, pe- people. They're, not, you know, they're not people people. You know, they didn't grow right. up in sales. They didn't grow up in, in areas where they're constantly dealing with, with people and customers and inter- internal folks. So, but a lot of these smaller companies, you know, they, they grow up with a, with a tool belt on their, on their hips or something, yeah. and they decide they want to start their own business. They've got the hard skills. They know how to do that job very, very well. But when they start needing employees and they start hiring and they start dealing with customers, that's when they start falling flat. And you are so right. That's one of the leadership issues we have is that we have a real lack of people skills. We have a real lack of empathy. 
when it comes to dealing with your own employees and with your customers. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to get moving in the right direction. No, and I think it's so important to do that. And one of the things that Charlie and I noticed, we even talked about this in our own careers because we were in technology and information technology. And in IT, you have a lot of people that don't necessarily have Have really good people skills. And they are working with the business. They are working with their coworkers. I mean, they're always interacting with someone, but yet because a lot of their day is spent heads down, they don't really think about the fact that their lack of people skills and their lack of being able to work with others and to get the job done in a different way besides just their heads down in the code is impacting their careers. Yeah. Well, it's not just impacting their career. And uh, when I when I do my programs, I beg my clients to, you know, don't just bring salespeople in. Don't just bring, you know, customer service people in. Bring your accounting people in and bring your back office and bring your floor, your factory floor workers in. And I'll tell you why. You just nailed it. You said that they, you know, they think because they're, you know, their heads down that that's all they have to worry about. What mm-hmm. folks in an organization don't understand is it doesn't matter what you do, your attitude impacts the customer experience and ultimately the brand. Because yes. what happens internally just kind of, you know, starts festering and permeating. And the next thing you know, that attitude gets pushed out to the outside and customers feel it. So folks need to understand that no matter what you do in an organization, you directly impact the brand. No, I think that's such a great point. And, you know, we have just a few minutes before our next break, but there was something that we were talking about, Charlie and I were talking about during the break, where um, we were saying, but I bet when you go into an organization, and maybe I'm wrong, I would think that when you start talking about values and purpose, that leadership always says, oh, we've got values, we've got purpose. Um, You know what? It's funny you said that because... um, Sometimes. I just did a program for a company that was just bought out by another a big, big company. It's, a, again, another multinational software company. And the CEO of the, com- of the U.S. operation said to me, we're going to have a few folks, including the chairman of the board there, he said, and one of them does not believe in this process. They're all about mm-hmm. quarterly earnings, you know, shareholder happiness and all that. He said, so I am thrilled that you're going to be coming here and talking about culture. So some people do and some people don't. Right. And well, and the other thing is, is like that person that didn't believe in it when only believed in the bottom line just was missing the whole fact that this does impact the bottom line. And just from your first example, it has a huge impact on the bottom line, not a small yeah, when one. We, when we come back from the break, when, uh, when I have a couple minutes, I'll tell you one massive company that everybody knows, everybody knows, that actually because of the fact that the new CEO focused on the bottom line and not on the experience, they started failing miserably. And, and, that's, and this is a true story fact. I'm not making any of this up. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? We actually have just a couple minutes if you want to start that story. Oh, that sure. would be a really it, good I'll, I'll one to discuss. I'll tell you very quickly who it is. It's, it's Starbucks. Uh, when Howard oh, Schultz, wow. you know, founded the company and, and yeah. took it to, to IPO, and I mean, it was a machine that couldn't be stopped. But, but Howard Schultz spent more money on training than he did on marketing and advertising, and he trained mm-hmm. his folks on how to take care of the customer. Early 2000s, Howard Schultz wants to take a leave of absence. He goes on doing other things. He's still the owner. They bring a new CEO in. The new CEO cuts everything having to do with customer experience. His number one objective is quarterly earnings, shareholder mm-hmm. happiness. Within a year, the company started to tank. By 2008, 
business was so bad, they shut 900 stores down and let 13,000 people go. And every analyst that was asked, is it because of the economy, said the same thing. Nope. has nothing to do with the economy. They talked about companies that make it well. In fact, they thrive during turbulent times. Companies like SAS Software and Southwest Airlines and Nordstrom and many, many others. He said, people aren't willing to pay a premium price for a premium cup of coffee, but they're willing to pay a premium price for a premium experience. And that's what left when Schultz left. And, and so it doesn't matter where you are and how successful you are. If you lose sight of the customer and their feelings and their needs, you're not going to make it. I don't care how big and strong you are right now. It doesn't guarantee where you're going to be tomorrow. Oh, and I absolutely 100% agree because, you know, we were there when the first Starbucks opened, and I remember that experience. The only thing I do remember, too, is, though, you used to get shamed if you didn't say grande, if you said large or medium or whatever. They used to <laughs> you know, shame you for it on paper. I, I saw a guy in an airport walk up to a Starbucks, honest to God, this big guy, and he walks up and he looks so intimidated, and he said with this, like, this little cowering voice to this young lady, he said, can I just please get a cup of, like, regular coffee? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you've got to pronounce everything the right way or we cannot serve you. That's exactly right. No, I love it. This is, this is such a terrific conversation, and we're about to take our second break. So stay with us, everyone. We're speaking with Scott Deming. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Segment three, we are speaking with Scott Deming, um, an author, speaker, consultant, trainer, um, someone needed very badly. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about his uh, stories and his book, Powered by Purpose, and some of his training opportunity that he has developed from Lessons Learned, which I love. Um, So... Okay, so let's see. Um, I'm I'm a CEO, and I just got flipped. I'm the new guy. The old guy is got kicked out, but he's uh, in his yacht. Um, now, everybody in the company knows I'm the leader. I know I'm the leader. Um, a, a company, for example, that I was with, was preaching leadership while they were flipping CEOs and while the stock went from down to one, but yet the CEOs were still saying how great they were. So what can someone in that position do to the workforce to make them want to come into work in the morning? Does that make sense? Well, it makes a lot of sense. 
you you know who do you know who Jim Goodnight is? The owner of SAS Software out of Cary, North Carolina. No. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim Goodnight gets written up all the time as like you know the 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 place uh, in all of the world to work, and it's because of the culture he's created. And the number one thing that he has always said is treat people like they ma- make a difference, and they will. So a lot of leaders, what they do is they have this kind of you know um, I, I'm the, I'm the boss, uh, you know it's got to be my way. Uh, I, I think everybody loves me. I talk a lot about perceptual reality and how, you know, it doesn't matter what you think, it's what other people around you think that's really real. And there's a survey that came out from, I think it was Bain & Company uh, research that shows that 90% of senior-level executives pat themselves on the back for their treatment of employees and customers. 86% say that they provide a superior experience for their customers. When they turned the research around and they asked the customers, yeah. the customers of these very same companies only gave 8% of the companies a superior rating. So I think the real problem is, is a lot of these CEOs, they were probably CEOs somewhere else. You know, they've got headhunters yeah. working for them, and they're just kind of jumping from place to place, getting their stock options. And a lot of times, and, and I'm saying this because I actually know a few CEOs who do this for a living. They go to place to place for a year to two years, three years tops, and they do what they can to get the bottom line strong. They cash out, and they move on to their next assignment. So I think there's just a real lack of concern about the future, the real future of the company and the people within the company. Every now and then, a CEO will land, and they sincerely, sincerely care about the organization, the people within it. And I'll give you an example, the CEO of True Value. This man is a really, he's a powerhouse. I mean, he is law, ex-FBI private investigator, CEO of companies in Australia and New Zealand, and he landed at True Value. And let me tell you how he turned this place around. He started calling their annual meetings, their conventions, family reunions. And he started showing, my, I have people that I know that, I, that I've worked with there who say that this man will come with and sit down with interns and have lunch with them and ask them, do they have any ideas of how we can make this a better place? CEOs need to get input from folks and let them know that they actually have a voice. Let them know that you actually care about me as a person participating in this company. Many of them just don't do that. Yeah, you know, um, uh, my former company attempted to do everything you're saying, just like Eva said, and they walked around saying they are, Mm -hmm. right? And they go by this, what they call voice of the employee. So people were supposedly submitting anonymously based on the survey, and the results were not favorable more often than not. And the management cascade downward was angry. And then the survey got tweaked so that your answer generated a positive answer, like, for example, blue, is blue a primary color? Yes. Okay, so now the more positive response. BOE went up. (laughs) Yeah, so the whole thing was meaningless, right? Right. Um, And you're exactly right. If you don't feel it, you don't have it. Well, and I like what you were saying, Scott, about some of the CEOs, like the one of True Value comes in and he's having family reunions because they're making sure that they – that the organization knows that if you're part of that organization that you matter because I was in one of those huge organizations that had someone come in that was just a CEO for hire 
And what they do is they come in and they tweak the bottom line by doing things like, you know, making some reversals on the balance sheet and then upping up the stock price because the income went up, but yet there was really no change to the culture of the organization. Yeah. And then they turn around and they walk out and everything starts tanking again because it was just a short term hit. It wasn't a long term looking at how to make this organization really functional again, how to make this organization start generating income and not just from acquisitions or reversing bad debt on the balance exactly. sheet. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and but you know, going back to, you know, asking employees, you know, how should we do things? I never encourage any CEO to run a company survey style. I don't I don't think that's healthy. But what you but what you should do is you should get input from people uh and when you do implement some of the input every now and then. Somehow let folks know that they actually are being Yeah, that's heard. a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because what they'll do is they'll do that kind of thing. They'll ask, you know, hey, we got a suggestion box here, and we'd really want your input. But they're doing that just to kind of, you know, uh, keep them at bay. You know, well, let's make them think that we really care what they think. And right. a lot of times, you know, after a while, people just get tired of that. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, Eva, you talked about making some, you know, some short-term changes that, you know, beef up the bottom line, but within mm-hmm. a you know, very short period of time, it's back to the old story again. I had a CEO uh, who came over. He, he's the CEO of the entire worldwide operation. I was speaking for North American operations in, in the U.S. The CEO came over from Austria. So he t- saw me speaking about culture and, the, you know, the emotional brand building and all that stuff. And we sat down afterward and we had coffee. He goes, Scott, I, I want to tell you something. I've been a CEO for six years. My board loves me. I've got a great relationship with everybody. He said it's a 150-year-old manufacturing company. All they are about is process. But I'm going to tell you right now, I get what you were saying, and I agree with it. I don't think I can get my board to change how they think and how we should run the organization. And I just looked at him and I said, didn't you just say your board loves you? He said, yes. And I said, then do what you feel in your heart is the right way to keep this company sustainable. So let me ask you a question before we go any further. You've been there for six years. Do you plan on staying there? Do you love the company? He said, I love it. I want to retire here. I said, then you tell the board that this is what's going to make the company grow and the company last. Do you know that less than two years later, I was flown to Austria. They had a global leadership conference. They were announcing their new cultural process. It was no longer about, you know, just the the, the uh, pragmatic approach. It was about people. It was about culture. It was about, you know, having this emotional brand. So the, the board bought into it, and this is how they're running the company today. Yeah. Well, but that takes some finesse, right? That takes a lot of skill because you've got some of the people are touchy-feely. So the person that you were interacting with, he got soft skills, right? So you can even go to Myers-Briggs. He's amazing at soft skills, absolutely amazing. Right, and so you've got the people that are really good at soft skills, but then what he was also good at was talking to the people that weren't so great at soft skills and showing them how soft skills can actually impact their bottom line because some people are very, like you said, very pragmatic in their thinking in terms of they're all just about the numbers. That's what they like. They like process. They like numbers. They like to see metrics. They're not all about the soft skills. So he had the finesse and the ability to not only talk to the hearts of the people that were good with soft skills naturally, but he also had the finesse to talk to the ones that that wasn't their strong suit. 
and get them and, to buy in too. And that's then herein, li- here, herein lies the very beginning of our conversation. <laughs> you know, what made right. me write the book? We have yeah. a leadership issue. Yes. People like this man should actually put a training program together, whether it be on video or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. there, are, there are folks who just should not be in a leadership position because they don't care about that stuff. Now, if there are people who care, they really truly have it in their heart, you know, you can learn how to communicate better. But there are people who don't care about that. As we yeah. said before, mm-hmm. they're in for a couple of years, they're going to cash out on their stock options, and they're going to move on to the next assignment. What do they care? They're in it for themselves. Yeah. Uh, right, and I think in the past, and I think it is shifting now, though, um, in the past, I think that's what was promoted. That's what was looked upon as being a true leader, is one that was not touchy-feely, was one that, you know, you could just lead by just demanding performance and just and just asking more and more and more of people without actually ever acting like they're human. And, yeah. and I think that that was the type of leader that in the past had been promoted. And what happened was, is that you see companies tanking because of it. And yeah. finally, people had to start understanding and bringing you in to say, yeah, something's lacking. And it's this soft skill piece. And well, one you know, of the, one, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say what opened my eyes to even more unbelievable opportunity coming from New York City to the Midwest there's many, many, many small businesses. That's what's driving the economy, kind of like what you were describing earlier. And I think small business owners should immediately go to scottdeming.com because that's the missing piece to their business. We've seen it so many times. We've seen it so many times. Yeah. It's do what I say. I have to watch everybody. And I think you struck on something by going to small businesses. I mean, I, I understand um, that corporate needs it as well, right? Mm-hmm. But um, believe me, the more you can speak to small business owners, I think the, the whole, this is what Eva means when she says making a difference in our lives, in the workplace, and in the world. Because when we start reaching small business owners and they start listening to you, the whole culture of their business uh, interaction changes. Well, it was the same with your very first example with um, the business owner that had the chandelier. And like you said, you know, turned around. And then that person, it wasn't that he just affected, like you had discussed, that one customer. It was all the customers, that potential customers that those people would interact with. And so it's the same with this. I mean, you can create a positive movement and change the world that way. Yeah, just by uh, you and, and your demeanor. It, yeah, and a lot of it is truly just just not understanding that you may be wrong. You know, I mean, one of the one of my favorite books is by Doris uh, Kearns, who who wrote the, the book um, Team of Rivals: The Genius of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. You know, Abraham Lincoln knew that at the end he had to have the the final decision, but he surrounded his, himself in his with his cabinet of people who didn't like him. These were in direct opposition of a lot of his ideas, but what they all did agree on was the one thing and that this should not be a a country of slavery. So what he did was he said, look, I don't always have the best idea. I need your input. You're the best. You're the greatest. We don't like each other. Okay, let's, let's agree with that. But I still want somebody to tell me when I'm wrong. That's why Abraham Lincoln was an amazing man. A lot of these leaders just don't think they're ever wrong. I mean, you know, we've got a candidate running for president right now who wouldn't ask God for forgiveness. 
yeah. yeah, and you're right. And uh, we're not as I'm not as uh, sharp as Lincoln. Um, and I I don't necessarily agree with that strategy, especially with how he ended up. But um, I I agree with it now. Um, and it wasn't intended to be a team of rivals. I always say you need a team of teammates. Um, but what what we need to understand is it's almost impossible to do, right? You need a team of uh, co-workers that can get the job done, uh, whether they're rivals or teammates. It shouldn't hold you up. You need to be strong enough, which is not that easy, to be able to deal with a team of rivals, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not encouraging people to surround themselves with their enemies. I'm just saying that you have to understand and, and accept and actually be, be thankful for the fact that you're not going to be the smartest person in the room. Right. And you know what? Surround yourself with people smarter than you in significant ways and various ways because you're going to come up with better solutions. And so in my book, I even said, look, you don't want a bunch of yes people around you. You don't want people saying no just to say no, but you do want people who share your values, who believe yeah. in your mission, your purpose, but who may have a different, better way of getting there. That's no. all I'm saying. Yeah, no, we love it. Um, we gotta, we got to break again for a final okay. break. We're not done yet, so don't go anywhere. Um, right. This is a fantastic show. More to come. Corporate Talk with Charlie Eva and very special guest, Scott Deming. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day -day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Well, I don't know about you, Charles, but this has been one fast hour. Um, I can't believe we're already in segment four. It's amazing. No, I really... Uh, uh, we I, could talk about this all day. Yes. We really can. And so for our listeners, we are speaking with Scott Deming. Scott is a speaker, consultant, and the author of Driven by Purpose. You can learn more about Scott at his website at scottdeming, D-E-M-I-N-G.com. And you can also get the book there. You can also check on his blog there, too, and learn about his services. And you can get the book at Amazon.com. So, Scott, as we're sliding into the top of the hour, um, yeah. I had a question for you. So when you, so you finally found someone in an organization, or they, I'm sure at this point, they're coming to you, right? So an organization comes to you, and they're like, you've got to help us. And right. you've got these guys in the room that are the tough guy leaders that don't want to hear it. How do you start? How do you start with them? How do you start in an organization that has been led a completely different way to show them that it's time for a change and it's time to do something different? And and how do you get them to buy in? Great question. First of all, I just want to say it's not driven by purpose; it's powered by purpose. The book. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I had the thing blocking. Oh, yeah, no, I hit it in my head. Sorry. Powered by purpose. (laughs) That's okay. Go find it. Um, You know, I I actually, I'll give you one example. One of my consulting clients, and what's cool about what I do is I'll go in and I'll do, you know, uh, the opening or closing keynote at their, their national conference or whatever it is, and then they'll contact me and say, hey, that was great, but, you know, we don't want it to just, you know, go away and people go back to their old behavior. Can you come in and do some training? And then that sometimes turns into some pretty nice consulting work. Now, I, and this is one, exactly how this happened with one of my consulting clients, and it's a very large, it's a, a, a publicly traded company, it's a division of a very large company. And when I went in, the, the, the executive, the general manager who really runs this entire division is a brilliant, talented man, but it's really his show. In fact, they call it the blank show, but go by his first name. So what, and I heard that as I was doing some of the training. And so when, when this man called me up, he said, I want you to come in. I want to sign a consulting deal with you. And I want you to you know, help this organization from the top down. So I went down there and, uh, and I sat down with him and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you with all due respect. I said, you have to, and I mean you absolutely must, listen to the input that I'm getting and my recommendation for how to make things better. And a lot of that is going to have to do with you, how you're leading, how you're listening, how you're not listening. I said, only, only if you will listen, because I'm telling you right now, I've already heard it. And you're a, great, you're a great man and a great leader, but you do have some areas that you need to work on. And it's actually, there are several common threads that I'm hearing from everybody in the organization. I said, do you want to hear it? And are you willing to make a change? If not, I said, if you're still going to pay me, but you're not going to change, I don't want your money. And that's exactly how I started that contract. I used to do the same thing when I had my ad agency. I would have clients say to me, here's what we want to do. And then I'd say, well, why are you hiring us? You know, we came up with a great campaign. We know this will work. We've done our research. No, I want to do it. i say, all right, you know, I'll tell you what. Then you do it your way. I can't take your money. I just can't. But you know what? Go ahead and don't call me, and I'm not responsible for the results once the results come in. Right, and, and as finally, an example of, of you walking the talk, you know, you have to have the power of influence to affect positive change as well. And that's well, an example. Know, Charlie, you have to believe in what you do. And, and, and you know, that's, again, that's what my father said, do not be a weed in the wind. I could, I could say, sure, let's do this, and, you know, I'll take your money, and I'll go out, you know, and have a nice life. But if I'm not truly impacting the, the culture and the people around me, why am I doing what I'm doing? So I, I don't, I've walked away from contracts. Honest to God, I'm not kidding you. I've walked away from contracts because we were not philosophically on the same page. And I can't do it. I can't sleep at night if I did it. So, you know, and that's what I'll tell people. If you truly believe in me and the fact that I can help you, then you absolutely must agree to make some changes personally and professionally. Are you willing to do that? Yes, I am. Okay, let's sign up. And that's what makes the difference, right? It's that passion and it's that commitment that they see and they go, oh, okay, <laughs> right? Especially if they're having issues in the organization. It's, so, it's sort of like an immediate, they just made an immediate purchase of trust. Right. That's exactly know? what it is. And, and you know what? I'm still selling intangibles. You can't touch anything I'm selling. Yeah. So, you know, if, if they don't trust me and believe it, and you know very well, we only buy from people we trust. If they don't believe in me, and if I don't somehow enhance their life, enhance their business, 
and, and, and improve their futures, then I don't have a shot. I don't have a shot at getting any more business. And there's no way that I could keep doing what I'm doing if I go out and I fail at what I'm doing. So, you know, I, I let them know that. I say, look, I, I know what I'm doing. And it's not me. I'm not, the, I'm not the person who came up with all the ideas. I mean, I'm taking research from the greatest brains in the world over history, and I'm crafting it into something that, that works. And, and, and I'll say, I'm not philosophizing with you. This is real. Mm-hmm. You, you can't mm-hmm. afford to not live like this. And that's kind of what kind of gets people convinced. No, it's absolutely true. And so, you know, in the last few minutes that we have, Scott, what what's kind of your, you have a formula for success. And we've talked about so many different components of it. But if someone wants to start tomorrow, where's the first place they should start for sustainable success? Well, I think that, I, I think honestly, it, starting with just being being real, being true to yourself. I my my wife has said that to our kids all through the years. She just said, "Look, to the to thy own self be true," and and that's what I would say. If you know that you're not doing the right thing right now, you're not in the right position, you're not treating people the right way. Be brutally honest with yourself, and then just start making a change. Then from there. You know, start learning, start going to conferences, start attending certain sessions that you know can help you on a personal, professional level. But you can't, I don't care what you do, if you don't love it and you don't know that you're doing the right thing, you, you should change. I mean, you know, a lot of people, yeah. I've heard people say, yeah, but what if I need, I need the money, I need the paycheck. Well, then while you're making the money and, you know, and while you're still paying your bills, figure out a way to make a change. I don't want you to quit your job and, and not be able to feed your kids. But you do have to start with being, you know, looking at yourself and being brutally honest. One of the things that I say when I start off my training programs is this: Do not. Do, this is your. This is your chance to truly reflect and to make a change in your life. Be 100% honest with everything you do today, with every response and every action you take. Yeah. After that, you're going to feel like a million bucks. I had a guy walk up to me a year ago, and he said, "I saw you three years ago at a different conference." And he said, can I tell you something? Now, this is a business presentation that I'm giving. He said, you, act, you actually saved my relationship with my teenage son. Mm-hmm. How, how, connected, how does that somebody do? You know? <laughs> wow. Um, that's unbelievable. But I want to add to that, that when you're, when you're digging deep into your authentic self, y- your answer could be, I don't know if I, if I need to make a change. It's okay if that's your answer, if mm-hmm. you made the attempt. That's when you go to scottdeming.com, right? And powered by purpose. And, and find out, right? right? So sometimes, right, Scott, we don't know if we should or shouldn't. Um, no, you're, you're right. And, I, and, and again, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling everybody who's listening to make a change. You're absolutely right. There are people I have out of my four kids, my 27-year-old is still you know, trying to find herself. We're, and we're not pushing her in any direction. It's just that sometimes you don't know. You really don't yep. know, and you're um, absolutely right. But when you do know you're, you're not doing the right thing, I'm, that's what I'm saying. You need to make a change. No, I agree, um, and uh, this has been fantastic. It's been um, fantastic. We learned from you, Scott. Don't always get that privilege. Um, we're going to be uh, sharing as much as we can about you all week. Um, I think you're fantastic, and um, we hope to you come back and visit us again. Thank you so much, Scott. It was great. 
Oh, thanks for having me. I really loved it. And absolutely, if you ever want me back, just let me know. I'd love to be on the show again. Excellent. A new teammate. Yeah. That's yes. just so great. Okay, take care, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Um, right. Unbelievable, Scott brings it. No, it was great. And it was, you know, it was everything that we always speak about. It's about the soft skills. And that's what creates a sustainable organization. So, again, it's powered by purpose. And you can go to his website. It's scottdeming.com, D-E-M-I-N-G. And you can get the book on Amazon. And another great show. Yeah, uh, another great show. We're back next week. We are. And so have a great thank week, you, everyone. everyone. Have a great week. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva.